Today I'm chatting to Lisa Shaw O'Sullivan. Some of you may know her from Instagram under Modern Irish Mom, but what you may not know is her backstory and that's what we're going to talk about today. Lisa is a former Miss Ireland and Miss Ireland Universe, which she has also undergone open heart surgery when her four children were quite young. So today we chat about her journey so far and what she has learned, how she has built up so much resilience and how she likes to remind herself to be grateful and to stay present. Welcome back to another episode of Growing Forward and we are continuing our Iconic Women series and today I have another iconic woman, Lisa O'Sullivan Shaw, who I just stumbled literally across on Instagram and her handle there is Modern Irish Mom. And I was absolutely just fascinated by the fun, realness and just being herself that lit up on Instagram and all of a sudden everybody was watching her funny reels and all of that. But the story behind it is what I think is going to be so fascinating for you today because, you know, earlier in her career, Lisa was a former Miss Ireland and who went on to represent Ireland in Miss Universe. So we'll hear all about the mindset and, you know, this, the voices that go on in your head when you're, I imagine, that go on in your head when you become Miss Ireland. And then a life changing thing happened. So we will get right stuck into it, Lisa. How are you? Thank you for I'm joining good. me. Thanks for having me, Virginia. You're welcome. Listen, bring me back. So as a former Miss Ireland, tell me all about that. What age are you, you know, bring us back to a younger version of you where you were like, I think I want to become Miss Ireland or like how does that begin we're, we're, I suppose we all want to be Miss Ireland somewhere in our hearts when we were younger but tell us about your story yeah so like that I grew up always wanting to be like I used to always watch Miss World Miss Universe like oh my god I'd love to do that um, no notions of it though in reality but I had started modeling at 14 at home in Kerry and I then joined a model agency actually in Cork, uh, Claire Collinan at the time, elusive models. Um, she had an agency there in Cork City. So I modelled from there when I was in college. And at the time then, I was only 19 and she put a lot of the girls from the agency into the Miss Cork and uh, to go forward to Miss Ireland. But I was a Kerry girl. So um I, I, she approached me with a sponsor that wanted to put me forward as Miss Kerry and then I went into Miss Ireland as Miss Kerry and then I won Miss Ireland Universe because it was two titles at the time Miss Ireland World and Miss Ireland Universe and um, yeah that was in 2001 2002 and I was 19 going on to 20 at that stage. Wow that's young when you think about it now like we were oh, just baby. a baby and tell me what goes on in your head like I suppose you had if you've had some modeling experience, you've obviously got some competence and some confidence built up to some degree. And we didn't know as much then about mindset, I think. I look back and go, nobody taught me about confidence. You just, you were, you weren't, you know. So like, what was going on in your head? And you were like, I can do this. Or was I, were you more like, oh my God, what have I got myself into? You know, what way were you, if you could remember it all? Yeah, for me, I'll never forget winning the Miss Ireland. It was the best feeling. It was like such a validation for me because I had come from years of bullying. Um, wow. So it was really a validation of because always the excuse at that time was, oh, they're only jealous. They're only jealous. And that's just such a flip and throw away comment that mm. when I won that that night, even I thought, well, maybe there is something to that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that is the reason that all those things happened or, um, you know, the reason I find it very hard to make friends and all that kind of stuff. So it was like it was my version of playing for Ireland in the World Cup, you know. Yes. It was. And actually, that was the year that Ireland went to the World Cup and we'd write Keen and Saipan and all that crack. That was the year all that happened. But, um, you know, it was a fabulous thing for me. I'm ferociously patriotic. Irish woman, I like ferocious. Um, so it was major to have that title, you know, that Irishness in it. And you're um, proud of that. Very proud of it. Like that's actually why I have the, the modern Irish mom in my hand. Like I am just I'm a bit uh just that's very so proud lovely. and very patriotic. Yeah. 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 And tell me, like, let's go back and just touch on like the younger version of you and the bullying. So, like, what I'm hearing is that. Like we all want to be more beautiful. Let's not lie. We all want to be more beautiful. And look, society has that force down our throats anyway that we should be. Mm. But when you were younger, did you see the way you looked or your beauty? Was that a bit of a burden? Um, I, I, I suppose it would. You would class it as a burden, um, but when you're living through all that kind of thing um like uh, you don't walk around going oh I'm too gorgeous and <laughs> oh like I'm going to be Miss Ireland and I'm Miss Ireland and all that it was only uh, you know I was in that world of modeling um I, I was never that self-conscious or anything like that but yet I was never that like you know um oh my god look at me kind of thing I knew what way I looked mm-hmm. I knew what way I could look better and what looked nicer on me and all that kind of thing but I was never pre- preoccupied with it I was yeah. never obsessed with it I never once I never did one sit up in my life going to Miss Universe mm. um like you know I was with 90 other countries 90 other girls they running up and down halls exercising 24 7 I was like where's the shop where's the market? Yeah, where's the potato sandwiches like yeah yeah I had zero interest in all that I was a very accepting of the way I looked. And like, I always grew up with a thing. My grandmother used to always say, like, because we played a lot of sport, it would be very GA family in our house. And my father played it and my mother played it and my sister. Well, I played it too, but not very well. We won't go there. (laughs) Um, But she would always say, there's always someone better than you. And there's always someone worse than you. Mm. They always had that. And and there's someone that's better winners and you have to be a bit good winner and a bit good loser. She always said that. And it probably stuck with me that, like, you know, I am the way I am. I'm happy enough with the way I am. There's always someone better. There's always someone worse. And mm. you don't have to entertain yourself with with anyone else, you know. Yes. And there's a piece around that, like when I'm working with women, the ownership piece of just accepting and owning who you are. You know, we all try to make the, the best of what we have, mm-hmm. you know, and use yep. anything that we can to enhance all that. But like, it is really about owning who you are and like filling that yeah. isn't it there's something in that that's really I think magnetic or appealing to other people but tell me about you know when you you moved like you go to another country and they're doing crazy things I remember reading at the time them putting hairspray on their body so they don't jiggle and like crazy stuff like to witness yeah well I actually roomed with because it was a three-week competition I roomed with South Africa she was a favorite to win and I hung around with, uh, it was me, Miss South Africa, Miss India, another favourite to win, and Miss Denmark. We had great crack together, the four of us. And those two girls like would have gone to schools, you know, specifically for all this. Mm-hmm. This was their life dream aim. One of them, the Indian girl, she's a very big Hollywood star now. 
um, in South Africa. It's very well known in South in Af- in South Africa now. Um, whereas I was like going, oh my god, I can't believe they left me in here. You know, I was just delighted to be there. Yeah. And uh, I suppose I did have real ownership of who I was at the time. You yeah. know, I I wasn't a bit, um, you know, I, I wasn't a bit unsettled there. I wasn't, um, you know, didn't think I belonged there and, or that I didn't belong there and like that. I was quite comfortable in myself at that mm-hmm. time because I was so used to my own company um, and very settled in myself, even at that age because of my past experiences, because mm. I had to be comfortable in my own um, yeah. skin, my own body and my in my own company, really. Yeah. So that kind of resilience piece, I suppose, I hear that like family are obviously, obviously saying, you know, there's a wholesomeness there that you grew up with. You lose good and you, you know, you win. You, yeah. You, you basically accept what's going on. But like, I definitely think when there's any kind of bit of bullying, it leaves you with a, with a bit more grit and resilience that tends to, you know, come out. But what about like, who are you looking up to? Who are the icons around you? Was there anyone that you kind of modeled yourself from it to say, oh, I'd love to be like that or not necessarily in modeling, but who do you think was iconic? Um, I have thought about that question and I've, I've always given kind of the same answer. I was never um, into like looking at like, you know, actors, actresses, models and like that. Like, oh, I'd love to be like them. They're mm-hmm. very unattainable things. I would I would have always thought it'd be more. I would have always just admired local people around. Like I even now, the, the people that I am in awe of are the mothers, the women that are living with breast cancer and they are getting up in the morning, they're getting their kids to school, the women who are wearing, um, you know, uh, kids with disabilities, um, you know, there's such, like those women are ferocious. Mm. Like we have nothing to complain about. And yes. I, I just know this for myself because my own, my own heart condition, my own mm-hmm. serious operation that I had, and I knew I was going to come out of that situation. And I, I keep thinking of, can you imagine the women that, that know they're not coming out of that, those situations? Mm. How strong, how, how in awe I am of mm. those type of women, you know, that 100%. get up and deal with things daily. You know? Yes, and they're, like that's they're, exactly they're the like the intention behind this whole podcast is to make it more normal that there's iconic women at the school gate, like you said, there's people who are doing powerful things, resilient in their power every single day. And it's a battle for a lot of them. And that's what I'm trying to normalize. And that is exactly why you came on my radar for being real relatable. But the stuff that you've come through, like literally close to death. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the heart condition. I mean, where do you even begin? Like, so you left Miss Ireland, you came home, or Miss Universe, you came home, continued yeah. on with your life and lived happily ever after. <laughs> Not really. But tell me, what happened? So my, I, I'll quickly run through the backstory. Mm. I was born with, um, I was born with pulmonary stenosis, which means I had open heart surgery at six weeks old. That was corrected. I lived a generally um, carefree, cardiac-free life mm-hmm. um, up to... Um, even when in Miss Universe and like all I would have been doing was getting my yearly checkups. I was always in Crumlin, the children's hospital, and then transferred to the Matter in Dublin. And when I went over to Miss Universe, I came home. I came out of a 10 year relationship and I moved to New York on my own. Um, so went off to New York for a few years. 
um, met an Irish man over there. He was working there as well. Um, we, long story short, came home to Ireland, built a house, got married, had four babies in four years. And then, yeah, after my fourth son, we had four boys. And after my fourth son, um, I noticed a deterioration, um, like, you know, unexplainable tiredness, unexplainable palpitations. And uh, further investigation uh, of my cardiac, um, my cardiac team, discovered I had uh, kind of a, an enlargement on one side. It was under pressure. My valve was, was the word, was totally redundant now. It needed a new valve and needed a change fast. And um, it initially began that I would just be keyhole surgery and then it turned into a disaster. It had to be open heart surgery because they couldn't get a frame built in. So it was a bigger job than what it was supposed to be. And I had it sounds like it's surgery. a job in your car the way you're saying you're like it's like you're just getting a part replaced in your car, like yeah, they didn't do this. <laughs> Look, I had I had there was years of poking and prodding, there was years of painful little, you know, procedures of checks and cat lab stuff, and I won't bore your audience with yeah. all the medical procedures that had to be done. But uh, the the big one was the open heart surgery. I went in um Easter Monday. My four boys were between three and seven. And how long ago Each was this was, now? Is this how many years ago was this? That? It was 2019. 2019. Oh my gosh. Um so it was it was 2019, but I, I feel like I lost that year or two afterwards, like mentally, uh, yeah. mentally and physically. It took me such a long time to recover. Um physically it broke me up. Like, you know, I had cracked ribs. I had obviously a broken chest bone. And um, it was just an awful, painful procedure, I found, because like, you know, I was at the time was a 37 or something and I wouldn't be that big up in the chest area. You know, it was quite a bony area. It was very physically sore, mm. but it was mentally like when I woke up with a on ventilation with a tube down my throat and, I, you know, I was in and out of consciousness and I was in ICU and it was not a nice time. And then I was in um, high dependency unit for a few days and horrendous time, like mentally. Terrifying. And then the mental stuff started, you know, the what ifs, because they had to stop my heart for a few hours. And that was always my big thing going in. What if they can't get it going? And oh, mm. and that just played over on me. I had a it was like I had a physical clock over my head then you know how many more years have I left I've more years now done than I have left you know oh my God. um so that was a big thing it took me to get over a lot of counseling to get over that and to to make me own that situation rather than let the situation own me mm-hmm. and that's where my Instagram page modern Irish mom came out of because I, I had no outlet I had no I could find nobody that was like me talking about normal things like you know I, I wasn't on Instagram for a long time because all I saw was a bit of scutter like you know like look at my this and look at that and it was like mm. I was like that doesn't matter you know those mm. things don't matter um and then I just use this as as an outlet of comedy because like I would always have said I would have been I would have been always up for a laugh anyway but I would have always said about my life if I didn't laugh I cry and I'd never get out of bed again. So I just started my page then as 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 therapy, really. Mm. And I found lots of people like my page. I 
I'd never been on Instagram. I hadn't a clue how to use it. Mm-hmm. And the first year I had 10,000 and the second year I, I opened to 3,000 now. So. And there's just like, I look at it and I see that lightness. I see the fun saying it as it is, warts and all side of motherhood. Mm-hmm. What's going on in my head now is that like, oh my goodness, like the pain that you've come through and the way you can still be present and be light is absolutely the reason why you're here with me. And I, I want to know more, but like, I, I just can't imagine because going into such a big surgery as just a person, I'm only speaking in my experience as a mother, this isn't about people who have kids or haven't got kids, but going into an operation is one thing, but going in when you are responsible for four small people, mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, I nearly, my, my chest tightened as you were telling me that because I didn't know the details that the four were at home when you were in such a debilitating way. Like, so how does mm-hmm. that change your mindset like, obviously, it was turmoil in the moment. It's traumatic. So trauma oh, changes our subconscious in a huge way. How do you unravel that? How do you come out the other side? Like, what tools did you lean on? How did you find yourself again? Um, I suppose initially, like, if we go back to before I had the operation, I was absolutely consumed with, you know, what if I'm not here? What happens? You know, so I had done everything in preparation as in I had a will made I had my husband told remarry get the boys a mother um but don't let them don't let them call her mom sorry oh my god I'm actually like how do you even bring yourself to have those conversations and how much time like how much time do you have in that window before you knew an operation was coming how fast did you Uh, it was weeks kind of uh weeks into months I think it was the January um we had it set up and it was April then I had it yeah yeah so you're 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 kind of you know you're busy with that kind of something and you don't let try to let that preoccupy your Mm. your your thoughts you know because you're so busy preparing and the practical side of preparing probably like I need these things done to distract you from big open void of Yes. That's yeah. Packing you over the face, like. Yeah. So, I suppose when you have when you are prepared for like the worst case scenario, and then initially when I woke up, I'll never forget the relief of mm. oh my god, it's going to be grand now because I've woken up, it's fine, you know. Yes. But then I think all of the stuff that had been going on in your head that you'd been kind of not trying to let out, kind of you know, comes at you then. And mm-hmm. any any traumatic event will throw up past trauma. Mm-hmm. So everything, everything. Well, it's a wallop of everything upcoming. you've ever dealt yes. with, I guess. Everything I've ever dealt with came, came at me. Um, so then you go, you know, I was really low and like I got, I got awful anxiety and never expect experience anxiety like it. I got panic attacks. I fell into a bit of a depression. Um, but um I suppose you kind of make a decision then on, right, am I going to live my life that, you know, that, you know, I've been given back. The one thing I've, I always say about the operation is it's given me so much gratitude. I always talk about gratitude and how thankful I am. And I always knew I was so lucky the way I had my family, the way I did. And I, it was just by miracle and by chance that I'd met my husband at the time. We got married at the, the right time. We had our kids at the right time. They were, I had my children before all this kicked off because 
I can't have them now. Like mm-hmm. I physically can have them. I can get pregnant, no problem. Mm-hmm. And all that. It's the carrying of them and the having them would be seriously dangerous for both mm-hmm. of us. So, you know, that I am so thankful that I, I had my babies. It was beautiful um, timing, though traumatic. There probably wasn't another time in your life, that little window to go in and do that operation. Like yeah. after you've had all your family fast and yeah. furiously, like it's just it's just another reminder that we're all just right on time, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it was oh. just, uh, you know, so thankful for that, that and I, I would often walk around the house like I, you know, I wouldn't be one now for going to mass every Sunday, but I have, I have great faith. I really do. Like I would go into the church and I'd light the candle and yeah. I, would, you know, and I was so angry afterwards. I was so angry at God, you know, like yes. I was in the hospital and I was shouting. I was like a lunatic, um, you know, shouting F you and all this out loud. Like I think oh, right. people were saying, who was this one? Like so angry that like, you know, he let this happen to me. But then, you know, I'd be walking around the house afterwards, like a few a few months after. And I was like, thank you so much for giving me my babies when you gave them, you know, and like. So that's oh. what brought me out of it, you know, and, you know, so the boys beautiful. then they were so small at the time. and they would notice the little things like, you know, I started driving after, was it 12 weeks or three or four months? And I was petrified to drive. I actually wouldn't drive for the first week or two. And my husband said, are you ever going to drive again now? You have to stop this. You have to get into the car. And when I drove, like my three and four year old, like, they were so excited because they knew mommy was getting better then. Then you're like, oh, mommy oh, drove God. the car today. And, you know, the little things, and mommy can bend down now to give me, you know, because my three-year-old at the time used to always give me a squeeze at nighttime, like a big tight squeeze. And he couldn't give me a squeeze. Like they couldn't come next near me for weeks and weeks, months. And simple he was able to like give, that you yeah, take for granted. Simple like. things. And then you'd be listening to people go on about the most stupid, mundane, monotonous things and caring about what the neighbor is doing. And I was mm. like, none of that matters. When you are on your deathbed, as I call it, my deathbed yes. in ICU, there is nothing that going to, you don't care what Mary down the road is doing, what mm-hmm. Siobhan up the road said about you at school 10 years ago. None nothing of that matters. matters. That, goes, that goes out the window. All you're doing is survival for your family. That's all. And how did your husband, like, it's hard, like, obviously it's incredibly hard to be in that pain and to be soldiering on. But sometimes it's almost, as hard for the person who has to watch someone in that much pain and can't do anything about it. Like, how did he, mm. what's his type of way of coping with all of that? So he um, would be, he took four months off anyway, work. That was the first thing he had to, he had to care for, was it all of us for four mm. months. Um, but he'd be a very positive person where I'd be, neg- I was negative Nora at the time, mm. but he would be like, you know, this will pass. This, mm. you know, he would never let me moan. I used to be giving out, I'd be cursing him under my breath because my fucking hell won't let me stay in bed. He wouldn't let me stay in bed. He'd make me get up every morning. He'd make me shower every morning because I'd be a ball of depression, you He'd know. Stay there and uh, lean into it if he let you, like, as yeah. anyone would. Oh, yeah. if, if, if you let me in bed, I would, I would have stayed in bed for six months without getting up. No bother. But um, one day he came in and I used to get up, he made me get up, make me have a shower. And this went on for weeks and months. And um, I used to come down every day to the sitting room and I'd sit in the same um, uh, recliner chair. And one day he came in and he said, when your man, the surgeon, he meant, he said, when your man sewed you up, did he sew that that effing chair to your arse? Because it's time to get up now. 
And I was like, I can't. And he's like, you can. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. We all need a bit of that. He's like your little kick up the backside when you. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, he had me walk in the driveway and walk. You know, like I actually couldn't walk two or three minutes. You know, you're learning all that again. You're learning, you know, all that stuff. You know, a walk up to my driveway was a day's work, you know. And he walked it with me and then he would like, go on, out, out you go, you know, after a few weeks. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm too tired. Like, no, out you go. Wow. So, um, you know, yeah. So I had that. Like if I was left, if he was, if he was someone else and said, oh, yeah, go on, sit down there, you grand, I'd probably be still sitting in the chair. Still there, still yeah. sitting in the chair. Yeah. So like, I, I'm just thinking like what you've modeled for your children is just incredible. Like, because they've seen you come through that and the resilience, you're not just talking about it, you're, you've shown them what survival looks like and what overcoming anything looks like. I mean, those kids have everything they need. If you ever worry, they have literally everything they will never need, like a big, compassionate, open heart, a dad that's going to kick them up the arse anyway, <laughs> you know. But a mindset, like these are the subconscious stories that soak into us when we're younger and the things we believe, you know, and like how... In the aftermath, like how do you how do you support or help them or like what like how do they get through it all? Like I just my my boys. Mm-hmm. Um so like that, like they were watching all the time and they all took it so differently. My my eldest boy at the time was seven or eight and he fully understood. And we because he's my eldest, I would we have a great relationship that I would just tell him out straight the way things mm-hmm. were so and he's not a panicker at all he's very like his father he'd be more level-headed so he just soaked in the information and like you'd be fine mommy and mm-hmm. you know he came to me one day I'll never forget and he said to me you know mommy you're not going to die I know you're not going to die like you know when I was because he knew that's what I was thinking without me saying the mm. words that's you what know, I was thinking like so, the death thing hanging over of like yeah because I was so fearful yeah and my two middle boys suffered an awful lot um, suffered like, you know, uh, mentally, we'll say, because they would cry every night and they were old enough not to be at that stage. Mm. They were um, four and a half and six and a half. And I mean, they were coming running into the room at night. And how old will you be, mommy? When, when how old will I be when you die? And when oh, Nanny and Granda yes. die? So they went to play therapy. We brought them to play therapy and they just had a lot of issues because they were in that confused stage where mm. I was telling them things, but they knew there was more to it because yeah. they were seeing. And sure, my baby, he was three. He didn't yeah. know what was going on. He yes. was just happy out. Um, you have the range but, of different responses really yes, happening. And like- you have to you have to mother them in 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 response to what's to going on. So um yeah, and I would have taught them that, you know, and I, I was conscious that I was showing them that things are really bad. And the only one that can change that is you. Things get better. Things can always get better, mm-hmm. you know. And they've seen the true kind of proof of that now. Yeah. Which is incredible. Yeah. So, like, what has changed in your own self-belief now that you've dug to the depths, I would say, the depths of your power and your personal resilience? like. Do you feel better for it? Do you feel that there's nothing could knock you at this stage? Like, has it yeah. changed your outlook on life? Yeah, I suppose initially, for sure, when I had the open heart surgery. I mean, 
I can't ever go back to that person I was beforehand. I, I wanted to. I was such in a lovely place in my life. I had four children under four. They were now becoming three and seven. Life was getting easier. I was going back to work. I had been a stay-at-home mum for seven years. Mm-hmm. And my life was lovely. I mean, I went, you know, I went to the gym in the morning with the kids because there was a drop-in centre there, brought them. We had our little teens in the morning and, you know, I had a lovely life. Mm-hmm. And I went to the pool and the sun and the steam room and all that. And then uh, it was like kind of carefree. I didn't think of all the like, you know, the writing wills and what would happen if something happened to me. I never had to think like that. And I can never be that person again. Mm. Um, but now I am such a, I would always be a strong person. And I would think that Miss Ireland and the bullying and all that would have made me a, a resilient person. But I would say I'm ferociously strong now. Mm. You know, um, there is like, I, you know, I being a, I suppose even having your own Instagram page mm-hmm. and putting yourself out there. It never knocks a flick it off me of mm. other people's opinions of me. I have a total barrier around me. Yes. Out, outside opinions do not matter yes. because they're not in my house. Yeah. Uh, they do not matter. And and they don't know your story. Like someone could land on your yeah. page. Like for me, for instance, landing on your page, I'm like, wow, she looks incredible. She was a former Miss Ireland. And it's literally down to a two or three line bio, isn't it? The stuff yeah. that we've carried ourselves through oh, by the way, open heart surgery. And I'm like, what? Like you, You'd almost miss that, you know? And actually, one of the things that really resonated with me was here's this cool, you know, not to judge, but like another beautiful mom doing beautiful things. For a moment, you could yeah. think that. And then you posted something about your faith and normalizing how you pray. And that for me was the segue into, oh, she's one of me. Like she's my kind of people. Like yeah. it just so happens that she's beautiful on the, on the outside, but it was the beautiful soul on the inside who know is normalizing that it's okay to lean on your faith a little. It doesn't make you a holy Joe, but we all grew up in the really Catholic, you know, Mm. structures or whatever we grew up in. But like, it's okay to have your own version of that now as an adult and to normalize it on Instagram, you know? So that was my first kind of segue into, oh, there's something here that is really appealing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, know, it's not the populist opinion either. Mm. Like I said, I'm, I wouldn't be the mask on every uh, every Sunday, mm. but I have my own thing. Like I say, I cut out the middleman. I yes. have my own. I have my own faith. And if I need a candle lit, I'm the first one into the church. And if I need to say yes. a prayer, I'm the first one there. And um, it's yeah, more so a la carte menu for me, I think. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Tick, tick the what box do I need now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, and I, I just think no matter who's up there, what's, what's there, um, once you're a good person and, and live by certain rules and rear your children to be good, kind people, people yes. um, you know, they'll, they'll be fine. They'll, they'll find their way. So amazing. I like, you know, when you think about how you'd like to be remembered and what impact you want to make, like some of us don't get the opportunity to really think about that. And others are afforded it by ways that they didn't want to, but like it really gets you to sharpen your focus on what's important, what really matters, and the purpose that we have in a day, you know, to just be certain that no matter what happens, I'll hold myself. It's how you hold yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. I really believe that's where most of the power is like. So what are the kind of things that we can take from you in terms of like what I would be saying is the the irony is that like though your heart has been operated on, 
it's the most open heart that you could find in that it's full of kindness, compassion without the ego, you know? And I think mm-hmm. like that is that kind of natural homegrown positivity is really infectious, but it's also really powerful because it changes everybody around you too, you know? So like, mm-hmm. what would be the things that mean the most to you or that like you really want to be part of your purpose or what you're here to do? Like, so I, that question is like, say if you'd asked me that 20 years ago when I mm. done the Miss Universe. So I would have always said when I left that competition, there was 90 countries in it. And, you know, as a person, you would have gone one way or the other. One way was you would never been happy with yourself because you compared yourself to the most beautiful women in the world and you found fault or you accept who you are, what you are, are happy with what you are and you go through life. Um, just being accepting of you. Um, that was all grand. That was always my uh, motto and the way I was in life up until I had my heart surgery. And I suppose that hasn't changed. It's just reinforced that the simple things in life are the only things that matter. Kindness is a massive thing and um, not judging others and all that kind of stuff. If, if, if you ask me what I want to be remembered most for and um, what I want to leave my mark is the only thing I ever want anyone to turn around and say is my children to turn around and say, my mother loved us. My mother adored us. Without and, a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, you know, and my mother did everything for us. And I think because there's not anyone, like as I said previously, there's not anyone, that actress or anything like that, anyone unattainable that I aspire to it's just the normal people and the the normalness of you don't know who's at the school gate standing beside you you don't know her backstory Mm. she can be just you know having to deal with the most horrendous things at home Mm. those people are the people that I aspire to like those are the strong women those are the women that are getting up with you know disabled children as I said who have maybe um incurable diseases and they know the end is in sight soon and they know they're leaving their children Mm. how do those women survive like you know they are amazing like they are the ones that I am in awe yeah absolutely and if I can bring any joy you know from my page to show us like you know lads we might all be gone soon nobody knows Yes. Like, let's be here, have the crack and be nice to each other about it. Yes. So like take all the darkness, accept what's going on. But there's always a crack of light that can come out of all of that darkness. And that's exactly what you embody for me, you know. So what's next? Like, where are we going to see you next? Because it's a new chapter. Your your children aren't raised. But like, to be honest with you, yeah. from what they've gone through, they're already fully whole wholesome people so I haven't a worry in the world about them but like what's next for you what are your aspirations or ambitions or like it's like all the the rules are gone there's no nothing's held back what would you Mm. love to see happen and let's kind of speak it into existence like what would you love to see happen for you or your ambitions that you've kind of maybe put on hold out of having to be a mother or having to yeah body I suppose at 41 I'm still I'm still looking for what I'm going to be when I grow up. I mm. still don't know what I want to Me be too. when I grow up. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> but I I really enjoy, I've 
always enjoyed like you know I do enjoy this kind of thing I have like you know I I work two days a week in the minute at medical admin and I've always said I'm going to you know obviously there's something else out there for me and you know I do enjoy radio podcasts mm. all that all that side to it and um I just don't know career wise what's mm-hmm. what's next I have been thinking about I wonder would I go on the road you know like repping all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff um but for now I suppose I just need to focus on I'm so busy with the boys mm. I'm like a taxi between GA soccer athletics swimming everything um and my page is keeping me yes. so busy yeah um between I do a lot of fashion collabs as well and try on and, and beauty, stuff like that yeah and yeah. beauty and all that kind of stuff so no immediate plans but mm. I mean if something fell into my lap now um I would more than grab it like so the something. more you can kind of shine your light have the crack be yourself spread the kindness and positivity and the realness yeah. of like you know keeping it all together like literally whatsapp groups are keeping me alive <laughs> like yeah I'm just going through motherhood one WhatsApp reminder at a time to remind me where I'm oh. <laughs> WhatsApp reminders. If I could get them rid of them from existence, I would. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I just see that, like, I just feel that the energy is right and all the right things will happen and you deserve absolutely every one of them. But I really think that, you know, it's taken me years to get here. But the biggest part of my work is reminding people that you're, if you find your pain and overcome your pain and face the pain, you find your power. And I don't know if you've realized that yet, but like that is so empowering for other people, for them to hear that you can walk through the fires and lay on a deathbed practically and still come out the other side as a glam mama. <laughs> you know, there's so much hope in that for all the rest of us that if we ever face challenges like you have, that we know what's possible when you have the right attitude. And the right husband may be kicking you up the arse, <laughs> you know, yeah. right attitude and having faith in yourself instead of going into a fear spiral, turn it around into a faith spiral and know that you're going to come out the other side. Like, so I just, yeah. I'm so excited for you what's to come because I know all the right things will happen. Cannot thank you enough for sharing and being honest and vulnerable and raw here today because it really is giving other people the power to to know that there's hope like you are like a beacon of hope that's what I think you are so thank you for coming and being an iconic woman and we keep following for all the fun and frolics and shenanigans that are going to be happening over on modern Irish mom and I'm sure we'll talk to you in another year and hear about another 20 iconic things that have happened to you since please God <laughs> but in the meantime keep the taxi on the go <laughs> keep it all positive and remember, you're inspiring other people by just being all of yourself. Thank you so much. Thanks, Virginia. Working in such an inspiring environment and recording my podcast at Iconic Offices in NSQ2 Cork has really helped me to elevate my brand and grow my business. The location is simply stunning and has become an invaluable resource for me. The good news is, you too can get to experience all the benefits Iconic Offices have to offer. They've given me a number of exclusive complimentary day office trials for my audience. So what are you waiting for? Try it for yourself, 
bring your team no catches. Simply go to the link in the show notes and enter the code UPSHERISES23 and claim your complimentary office for a day. Trust me, you won't want to let this opportunity pass you by.